So when I grew up, uh, my dad did, a, did, did the best he could in raising me. And uh, early in my formative years, um, our house was kind of a little bit chaotic. My dad was really big into like man stuff, like, like teaching me how to be a man. And, so, and he would do these things. Like one time I remember he wanted to show me that an opened can, you know when you used to use can openers? Uh-huh, okay, so they, he was trying to show me that that could be real sharp in there. So instead of just telling me, hey, it's real sharp in there, don't touch it, he goes, let me show you, and he swipes his finger on. And then as the blood's going down his hand, he's like, he's like see, that's what can happen. Because like he was into like man stuff, okay? Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I didn't say smart man stuff, I just said man stuff. So he'd teach me that. He taught me about, you know, how to keep a stiff upper lip and suck it up and rub some dirt on it and don't complain and, uh, you know, handle your responsibilities, uh, treat women like they're tiny flowers, uh, all, all these things like that. He, it was his generation, right? It was his generation. Don't look at me like that, ladies. <laughs> I, did, I, was, I was like nine, okay? I wasn't going to correct my dad. Uh, and so, so he does all this stuff, and, 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 and like emotion was something to be set aside. That was, that was for the women. They were in charge of the emotion. You were in charge of hammers, I guess, or something like that. And so that's kind of how I grew up, except for that really wasn't me. I, I'm kind of a more sensitive person. And so um, I remember one time my dad and I, he had come to Christ uh, out of uh, alcoholism, and we moved to California, and we're at this worship thing. And they're singing these worship songs like, Jesus, you know, I want to rest my head on your chest. And, you know, anyway, so, you know, touch your beard and all this kind of, it's just kind of flowery worship music. And my dad leans over to me, and he says this, how about a nice firm handshake, Jesus? <laughs> Isn't that great? So that's my dad. I, I, love, I love my dad. I, 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 I love my dad. And I can only speak for men, okay? So it, it, as I talk about men and women and differences, don't get offended. It's just, I, I can, I'm just coming from my, my perspective as a man. And oftentimes we don't handle emotions very well. We, we, they make us uncomfortable. And depending on what generation you came in through, and that, that makes you uncomfortable. Hugging someone might make you uncomfortable. My, my, I had this goal um, that I was going to make my dad, by the, within a year's time, I was going to say I love you to him so many times that he had to tell me that he, lo he does love me. But it just was so, he'd be like, oh yeah, you too, son, you know, like that. And just like, like about 15 years ago, I'm hanging up the phone. I say, I love you, dad. He says, I love you too, son. I'm like, yes, I did it. That's some manly stuff right there, making somebody say something. <laughs> so, so that was kind of my up, upbringing. But as we look at the Beatitudes, and the series is called Upside Down, and the reason we call it Upside Down is because it just doesn't make any sense. But Jesus had a kingdom perspective unlike our perspective. And so there's this verse that says, blessed are those who mourn, okay? Well, we are not good at mourning as a, as a society, as a culture. Lament and, and sorrow, those are things to be avoided. You, 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 don't, you want to avoid mourning, 
You want to avoid grief. As a matter of fact, if somebody is mourning, we're more interested on who's the guilty party. How can we make this right? How can we get, how can we, you know, flip the tables again? If, if, if there's mourning, somebody must be at fault. That's foreign to the Bible. The Bible teaches us throughout its entirety. Difficult times will come. You will have loss. And sometimes it's not at the fault of anyone. And so what we do is we try to entertain ourselves out of mourning. We try to medicate ourselves out of mourning. We try to outrage ourselves out of mourning where we don't actually grieve the situation. We're just outraged on whose fault it is. And so what I want to talk about this morning is why mourning is important. And I'll tie it up especially at the end for, for men because this is something we, we do pretty good with anger, uh, you know, uh, get, getting upset at something. And so, but to feel the mourning, oftentimes change can't happen unless you feel the grief of what's going on, the injustice, okay? I'll tell you how that played out in my life this week. I don't normally do funerals for people. Like, like I do if it's someone in the congregation or someone extended family or whatever, but it's not like you dial up, you know, Living Spring and there's a little chart of my fees and I, I go out and do side hustle for funerals, okay? <laughs> or weddings, okay? And as I tell this story, I might use the term wedding when I really mean funeral because they equally stress me out. Um, and so, so uh, like, our denomination doesn't even allow me to charge anything. It's like we just don't allow that. It's a, it's a service. You can receive a gift, but you can't charge anything. And so we just, it's just it's a big hassle. So there was this family. <laughs> Pastor of the Year Award coming up. <laughs> I'm due. I think October's Pastor Appreciation, you know. Something would be nice. So I don't do this, but there was this family that uh, Pastor Jonathan told me their story, and it was heart-wrenching. It was like the way the husband passed, how it went down, how the wife found him, all these things. It was just, just heart-wrenching. And, and one of the things as I've tried to raise my son, as far as like what does it mean to be a man, is really what it means to be a follower of Jesus, whether you're a man or, or a woman. Do the right thing even when it's hard. And this was the right thing. And so... Uh, I met with the family the week before, and we get to the funeral, and it's open casket, and, and it was really cool because Garden Grove Friends Church, who were partnering with the homeless, they donated the facility to this family, and then uh, the pastor was on vacation, so I went and did the service, and so it's about five minutes before, the deceased is there, there's a hearse in the back, and the funeral home, and so I noticed that there's kind of like a commotion, and, uh, and so I... I typically, I'd just be like, I don't want to, that's not none of my business. I'll just wait, you know, and the daughter got involved and the son got involved. And I just said, hey, do you mind if I ask what's going on? And they said, yeah, they're going to cancel the service because we still owe $1,000. So I don't think you've ever seen me angry. Like, I don't think you know what that actually looks like. Maybe you have, but my, my daughters say I have a look, <laughs> apparently. I don't, I don't know. But I had that look at that time. And I said to them, because I do this when I want to show that it's all going to be okay, I raise, my, I raise my voice like two octaves, and I go, do you mind 
if I talk to the, the funeral director? Would that, would that be okay if I could just talk to him? Yeah, okay. And they're like, sure, Mickey. Uh, like, go, go do it. So, so I, said, I said, hey, is, what's going on? And he said, they owe, they owe us money. I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You waited five minutes before the service, and now you're going to square up? You had all week to do this. I've never in my life ever seen anything like that. And he said, well, it's our policy. I said, it's your policy to wait five minutes? Okay, so I started getting, <laughs> I'm start, it's starting now. Now you have seen me angry. And then I might have said some other things. But the, uh, so, um, and then I said this, like I'm 12 years old taking my ball from the basketball court. He goes, we're going to have to cancel the service. And I said, I'm the officiant. I decide when the service gets canceled. You're, you just do the thing, right? So I know, don't, don't worry about it. I was immature. So, um, so I said, and I'm going to do a service. And if you have to cart the body away in the middle of it, that's on you. And so uh, they said, well, we, we're, we, we need to stop. And I, so I said, what is it, a thousand bucks? He said, yeah. I said, Living Spring will pay the thousand dollars. And here's the thing about this. You have no idea how it feels to pastor a church that I knew when I said that it would be okay. And it's just incredible. You guys are incredible. And then he said, it's not your responsibility. <laughs> and I said, it's what we do. <laughs> we, help, we help people. But had I not allowed myself to feel that mourning, because I truly was mourning this family's loss, had I not been willing to risk that, we wouldn't have been able to help that family. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm great at all. I'm saying this is why I really struggle with this. I avoid mourning. But it's not until we feel the full weight of what's really going on that we can actually enact change. If you've never felt the full weight of what's really going on with racial injustice, you're not going to be that effective in making it stop. If you haven't felt the full weight of what's going on as we objectify other human beings, if you haven't really felt that, you're not going to be as effective in exacting change. If you have not felt the full mourning of inequality in any area, you're not going to be able to do that better, that good of a job in helping it change. I hope that makes sense. So here's what the Bible says. I will get to the Bible. I, I, I know. Blessed are those who mourn. The Bible would say happy are those who mourn. I told you it's upside down. For they will be comforted and what Jonathan so masterfully uh, enlightened us on last week is that this Greek verb tense is like it's it is happening but it hasn't yet fully happened that's what eternity does they will be comforted and so you say well what what does it look like to mourn well there's all sorts of different things we can mourn over we can mourn over tragedies that we've seen all over the country. And one of the problems with society, not society, but just our culture, is the fact that we can, we have access to information on things we never would have had access to. So there's just a, a wave of things we can mourn over. And so we have to be careful about how we sift through all that. We have to be careful it doesn't turn into outrage. 
And so James writes a little bit about what it means to mourn. What, what is something I can mourn over? And James is the half-brother of Jesus, same mom, different dad. And uh, he, he was one of Jesus' disciples. And one of the reasons I'm a follower of Jesus is because Jesus' half-brother thought he was God. And if you can convince your half-brother that you're God, you, there's a pretty good chance that I, I should probably be following you too for no other reason than how did you do that? That's amazing. But James writes this thing, and James is such a practical book. It talks about um, how to monitor what you say. Actually, it's a real annoying book, but uh, how to monitor what you say. Um, it talks about if you, if you ha- have faith, but you're not really seeing it play out in your life. That's not, that's not right. And so it just goes through with the very, very practical things. And here's what James says. Submit yourselves then to God. Now, we would all pretty much agree with that. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus right now or we don't believe in the Bible, you would think if you were going to be spiritual, you would have to submit to some higher being. So this isn't rocket science or anything. It's just submit, therefore, to God. We would all agree with that. Then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And you're like, oh, sweet. This is great. James, keep it coming. I love it. All I, I do resist the devil and he's going to flee from me. Good news. Good news. Then James writes this, come near to God and he will come near to you. You're like, I, I make sense. You know, can't only be 100% him. I got to play my part. So I draw near to him. He draws near to me. We got a good relationship. Life's going great. Awesome. And then James writes this next sentence that comes out of nowhere. And he goes from this happy, like, oh, man, submit there, then there to, forward to God. Like, oh, yeah, you know, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Yay. Co- draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Yay. Wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> did I say happy Father's Day, by the way? I don't know if I did. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What James is doing is really important. He's bringing attention to the the- this theology that you can just keep sinning and sinning and grace will keep coming and you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. This kind of thing here too. It's a travesty when we allow sin into our lives. Not because we're making God dislike us, but of what it does to us. And it breaks God's heart and we need to mourn it and we need to grieve it. He says... And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Man, that is not... He went kind of with a little health and wealth vibe, and now he's like, in the, like slamming, the, slamming his hand down on the Bible. That's, like, that's hardcore. But this is what he's trying to say. You need to get used to mourning. You, you need to realize in the kingdom of God that there are things that are just flat-out injustices, and one of them is the effect that sin has on our lives. And so he says, grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Now again, this isn't talking about a God who is happy with you when you don't sin and unhappy with you when you do sin. He's a heavenly father. So here's how it plays out in my life. Since it's Father's Day, I'll tell you what I did one time parenting. My daughter Emily comes up to me, and uh, they, both of my girls, uh, 
like they try to, they sneak off and they come up with ways where they'll get a reaction out of me. Um, and so this particular day, uh, Emily's like 15, 16 years old. She says to me, uh, hey, Dad, what would, you, what would you do if I got pregnant, right? And so she was expecting the look, the angry look, right? And, um, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to walk her through it right now. And I said, well, here's what would happen. You'd come home, and you'd say you were pregnant. And I know you, and I know you'd keep the baby. I just know that about you. And so then we would, Mom and I would then open up your room. We'd bring a crib in. It would be difficult for you to finish school. We'd be heartbroken just for you, just the the things you'd miss out on. And she goes, okay, stop, stop. (laughs) And I'm like, nailed it, yeah. I'm like, what's his name? No. uh. But see, I think that's the heart of our Heavenly Father. I I think he mourns. I think when he goes, oh man, there should be the sense of when you gossip, you say, oh no. I just lit a fire and I don't know when that fire is going to go out. Oh no. And you mourn. When you objectify another human being and you realize, I just thought that about one of God's kids. Oh, man. It's that, it's that type of a, a mourning. And when we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. He'll go, yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You got this. And so mourning is very important as it relates to all sorts of injustice. And James just gives us one example of our sin. And so, so why, why is that? Why is it important to mourn? What, what happens when we mourn? What happens when we sit and we grieve? Because, you know, I, this, is just, this is just your pastor talking, and this doesn't relate to anyone in this room. Um, but Christians are horrible at this. Christians have little pithy sayings and half verses they quote when really they should be in tears. You know, it goes something like this. So, so-and-so finds out they have cancer. And it's just devastating the family. And we say, God works all things together for good. Don't ever do that, please. Mourn with them. Grieve with them. The Bible even says, mourn with those who mourn. Laugh with those who laugh. Be with them. Maybe say nothing. Maybe just sit there and the only thing you can come, uh, can come out of your mouth is that must really, really hurt. That's what mourning looks like. And so it's very, very important that we, we, we get used to and comfortable with the discomfort of mourning. Because the reason we say little pithy things like that, and I get it, I, I understand, is because we're uncomfortable and we want to relieve the tension. And so our brain's scrambling and then we just say something. Well, God must have needed a flower in his garden. Like, oh. No, he, he did not. He did not. The world is broken and it's painful. And some, for some reason... God allows it. And if you, if you don't believe in God because there's pain and suffering, I get it. It's a good argument. He allows it. Let me show you another part of our Heavenly Father. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to God 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's about ready to describe your and my heavenly Father. A Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Goes on. Who comforts us in all our troubles. Who comforts us in all our troubles. You know what I found in my life? I miss out on the comfort of God because I comfort myself. Like, here's this comforter that does this professionally. <laughs> like, this is who he is. This is his identity. The God of all comfort. And I go, I'm just going to escape. I'm going to escape. That's not comfort. That's trying to be comfortable. It might be time to mourn. You've lost a business. And you think, oh man, I'm going to sue, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Maybe it's time for you to mourn the loss of that business. You've lost a relationship, and you're like, I'm just going to find another relationship. Maybe you need some time to mourn the loss of that relationship. The way it went down. How it all played out. Maybe you had an investment and you were swindled. And you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to make that money back? How am I gonna... Maybe it's just time to mourn the loss of that because when you mourn you open a door for the God of all comfort when you truly mourn you open the door for the kingdom of God to be manifested in your life now, we don't like mourning and we're not good at it and so we try to avoid so he comforts us in all our troubles but it gets even more important and more powerful right so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Well, if you're not mourning, you're not being comforted, and if you're not being comforted, you don't have the comfort to give to somebody else. But it all starts with that ability to go, this is really, really hard. This is really, really difficult. I don't mean to offend anyone, but the term I use all the time is like, this sucks. It really does. And, and, and there's no way to get around it. All of a sudden, the door to the God of comfort says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You ever had that happen to you before? Out of nowhere? You're just mourning? All of a sudden, there's just a little thought. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Stand firm. It'll be okay. Well, as you get into that routine of being able to mourn, you then now have the comfort to be able to comfort someone else. I went through that exact thing. I was in the depths, and I made it out okay. How did you do it? I watched a lot of, I played a lot of video games. <laughs> no, I had the, my heavenly father, the God of all comfort, came to comfort me. He goes on, we ourselves receive from God for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. There are some people in my life that are just good mourners. When Lisa and I were going through the darkest times of our son's epilepsy, I, I didn't want to hear, and, and please just hear my heart in this. I didn't want to hear a Bible verse, right? I, 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 I do that for a living, okay? I wanted to hear someone go, yeah, 
man, we went through something similar. It is hard. It takes a long time. When I was talking to this family that we did the funeral for, um, one of them said, I'm really worried about mom. She's not, she's not grieving. And uh, I, I told her what I tell everybody, that grief is, isn't done a right way. <laughs> right? It's not like, well, is she, what week is she on? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Your head's spinning. You are trying to process what you, things you've seen, things you've heard, getting all the things together. And so I always tell them, it, your grieving process may take five years. But when it comes, let it. Let it come. If it's taking five years, if you're grieving and you've been grieving for five years and you're not done yet, don't be done. Keep going. Keep processing. Keep mourning. And allow the God of all comfort, God of compassion, just open the door for him to come in and to bring it in. So here's what I want to do. Um, we do this every now and then, and it's what I love about our church. But some of you might be going through some really difficult things right now, and you've been trying to figure it all out. You've been trying to avoid it. Um, it might be some debt you're in, and you're like, I'm not even opening the, the, the envelope. Huh, take that. <laughs> right? And it's time, to, it's time to get to the facts and mourn and grieve. For some of you, you had a childhood that was stolen from you. And it, people tell you, well, that was a long time ago or whatever. You've never grieved the loss of your childhood. And so you haven't invited the God of all comfort to walk through that with you. And men, if it is in fact what makes a man to do the right thing, whether it's hard or not, We've got to be able to break through this lie that we can't have emotion, that we can't mourn, that we can't grieve. You absolutely can. And so what I'd like to do is if there's something that you just feel like, man, I've never grieved that divorce. I've never grieved the loss of that child. I've never grieved the loss of that business or whatever. I want to have an opportunity to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to stand up and say what it is. Um, but... but um, so I don't know if you even have the courage to do this because it's a very brave thing to do. But if there's something in your life and you say, I'm going to mourn that, maybe for you, you're standing up on behalf of somebody else. Somebody you know that is on the other side of racial inequality. He's on, he or she's on the other side of some type of injustice. Or maybe it's a people group and you say, I'm going to stand for them and I want to grieve and I want to mourn their injustice then I would invite you to stand up so I can pray for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good. Anybody else? Anything you're going through? Again, we don't know what it is. It could be you're standing on behalf of minorities that aren't treated well in certain aspects of society. You can do that. Great. Good. Can I have somebody stand up on behalf of the poor? Could somebody do it? Thank you, Becky. Appreciate that. Yeah. Can I? Maybe somebody's already doing this, but if someone could stand up on behalf of the marginalized. Appreciate that. The disabled. Great. Good. 
All right, for the rest of you, would you just find somebody and look around and put your hand on them? If, you're, if you don't believe in this and you're like, I don't even pray, you don't have to participate, okay? I, I totally get that. But just, just grab someone that we're just going to all pray together as a, as a group. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, the God of all compassion, the God of all comfort, the God who sees all, who knows all, the God who loves us. God, would you break our hearts for injustice? Would you break our hearts for things that happen that were not right? Will you break our hearts for our own sin that we flippantly come back to you and just say, hey, I need some more forgiveness? Lord, you break our hearts for the poor, for those who experience being in the minority and don't feel represented, they don't feel like they have a voice. Lord, would you break our hearts for um, those that are pushed aside? Lord, we just, we can't do anything until our hearts are broken. And so, Lord, I pray for those. I pray for those who are standing here because they're grieving their own loss something they're going through. God of all comfort, come. Come, Heavenly Father. Just infuse them with your comfort. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to just infiltrate every nook and cranny. And when the grief rises up again, we say, do it again, Lord. And when they are driving home and the grief comes up, do it again, Lord God. I pray you'd surround them with brothers and sisters that will just be quiet around them, to be with them, hold their hand, give them a hug. God, I pray we would be these people. Lord, I thank you for all the men, the fathers, the uncles, the men who've coached baseball games and soccer games and have been comfort to maybe some kids without a father, some kids without a mom. Pray you bless them too. Lord, we pray for shalom. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.